It's interesting this morning, uh, we're continuing in this series that I've, I've addressed as playlist, uh, kind of the meaning behind the words that when we sing songs or we hear songs, I think the context helps us with worship. When we understand the fullness of the song, um, it helps us to engage on a little bit different level in what's being sung. And sometimes we've got questions or sometimes we wonder, and it's just good to answer the questions with the word of God. He's given us his word. It's living and active. Let's use it. Amen. Like, let's look at it. Let's see where these songs can be found. Let's see what it is and engage it. And, and today's song actually is a song that someone uh, from church who's not here today um, gave to me and asked for us to do uh, a series on, or a song in this series on. Um, and so... When she talked to me, and, and she gave me several songs, uh, some we had done before and some we hadn't, and this was one of them that we're about to do. Uh, the song is the one that I had them do during worship or during a communion called The Battle Belongs. And um, I want to look at this song today, but really I'm going to look at battles today. Uh, I'm in a battle myself because I think there's five different battles that I'm going through today. And I've got a battle against smells coming from the kitchen. I know that in my devotion, I did, it was impossible. I think I did, normally I can do it in like one or two takes. I think there were like 20 takes. Uh, I was frustrated with my devotion. Um, and I think this is a message that we all need to hear. Uh, because the reality that, that faces us all, we may not think it, but listen, we're all in a battle. Every one of us, there's some kind of battle that we're facing. Sometimes we think because my battle is not as big as someone else's battle, it's, it's not important. Or sometimes we think that we're on easy street and everyone else has all the challenges. The reality that, that, that this song brings and the reality that, that we're going to look at today is that, that we're all really facing battles. Every one of us in our context whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's with friends, whether it's with family, whether it's with, with people we like, people we don't like, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual. I mean, we're all in the reality of battles. And this song that we sung uh, during worship, or maybe you just kind of read along and listened as, as they were singing, it starts in an imperative position for us in battle. It starts in the very first stanza. Uh, the very first words of the song says, When I see the battle... You see my victory. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I'm safe with you. And as we start the message today, I, I just want to start in this place. Because like I said, we all fight battles. We're all in battles. But, but sometimes we all have a different perspective on God. Sometimes people with battles, they have different ideas or different understandings. But I believe this song is positioning us to a place. What does it say? Sometimes all I see is my battle. Who can say that? I've been there, done that. But God sees my, my victory. All I see is this giant mountain before me, but God sees what? He sees those things that aren't as though they were. <laughs> He sees that mountain moved. You see, for us to engage in biblical battles, we're going to look at biblical battles today, and I will tell you that we have a God who fights battles rather unconventionally. That's kind of where we're going. But the position that we have to be in in the battle, when the battle gets started, is we have to recognize the truth that God is sovereign. 
That's one of those big church words. It's one of those words that sometimes people say and and we think we know what it means. But what does it mean to understand the fact that God is is sovereign? I'm seeing what's here right now. I'm seeing a mountain and I'm seeing a bunch of angry people that want to kill me. But God is seeing what? He's seeing the victory and he's seeing that mountain move. Why? Because God is sovereign. He is absolutely in control. Probably... The biggest struggle to biblical battles is knowing whether God's in control. Like the, the biggest challenge we face when it comes to biblical battles at times is really believing, convincing ourselves, convincing our minds, convincing our souls that God is truly in control. When all I see is devastation, when all I see are problems, when all I see is stuff, we start to question, is God truly in control? That's what it means that God is sovereign. The meaning of sovereign is that he is Lord of all creation. He's the one who was, who is, and always will be. Scripture says he's the Lord of the heavens, and he's the Lord of the earth. He's the author and finisher. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves, sometimes we have to get to that reality before we engage in the battle. Because if you don't believe that God's in control... You're going to do the battle your way. If you don't believe that God is sovereign, if you don't believe that he knows what's coming, I've been there. We've all been there in our lives where we're trying to force something. We want it to be and it's not moving fast enough. One of my biggest problems is running ahead of God. Like God made me a promise. I know what the promise is. I believe in the promise, but I'm just going to help God make this promise happen because it's not happening in the speed in which I'd like it to happen. Maybe it's just Pastor Steve. That's just me being transparent. And I got to remind myself, wait a minute, God is in control. And he sees that mountain moved. I don't need to get the shovel out there and start doing it myself. So the reality of battles. I guess I'll pray, Father, we come to you this morning as we're looking at your word. I pray you've spoken to our hearts already and I ask you continue to do so. I pray for lives that are yielded to you, for for minds that are receptive to the word of God. I ask that this morning your will is accomplished in us and you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. In that song, there's a line it's sometimes it's what people, uh, well, it's the name of the song, the battle belongs, but the battle belongs to who? To God, right? I mean, that's the whole consensus of the song. That's where this song is taking us. That, that story comes from a biblical incident. Uh, there was a king in the Old Testament. His name was Jehoshaphat. And, and Jehoshaphat is a king uh, of Judah. And what he sees this um, I want to make sure I follow my notes correctly. Second Chronicles chapter 20. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, he gets word in, in the beginning that his kingdom, now he's king. There we go. And he says, after this in Second Chronicles chapter 20, uh, this is verses 1 and 2. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Mayanites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. 
Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Eden and from the other side of the Dead Sea. So he's a king, the king of Judah, um, and he's facing a reality. The reality is what? About to be a battle, right? Not one, not two, but three kingdoms have come together and they've set out to attack us. So what does King Jehoshaphat do in the midst of that moment? Going to get annoyed. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for who? All of Judah. So Jehoshaphat is the king. He's facing three armies in his kingdom. Uh, It's his reputation on the line. And he says, here's the position we're going to be in. I'm going to call a national fast. Now, uh, I'm going to talk about this throughout the day. God's ways are unconventional. Uh, most, most um, I would guess, army people aren't going to tell you the first thing you do when you go to battle is, is fast. Because really, what's fasting doing? Physically, it's going to make you weaker for what's to come. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to fast. Okay, so Jehoshaphat calls a fast. And then if you'll read the next few verses, I'm not going to read them right now. Um, but the next few verses in this, it's actually a national prayer that Jehoshaphat, the king, prays over the people. And when he's finished praying, there's a prophet who stands up. And that prophet speaks these words. That's the he in this verse. The prophet said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Now they're scared. They're afraid. There's armies all around them. They're outnumbered. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Someone probably needs to underline that in their scripture. And I'm going to say this morning, probably of anything, if you can hear anything this morning, hear this word. The battle is not yours, it's God's. You know, so often we think it's our battle. So often we think it's our problem. We've convinced ourselves maybe we're the ones who caused these armies to surround us. We've convinced ourselves it's our mess and I'm going to find a way to get out of this. But I want to say this morning that God is speaking to some. This is not your battle, but mine. So he says through the prophet, don't be discouraged or, or afraid because the battle is not yours but God's. Listen to what he says. Now here's, here's his battle strategy. Now this is the prophet speaking on behalf of God. Tomorrow, we're going to march down against them. Okay, sounds like battle. They'll be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find... That just sounds like a fun pass. I want to go there sometime. I mean, anyway, that's besides the point. And you will find them at the end... I mean, better than the desert of Jerul, but that's besides the point. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Wait a minute. We're marching to not fight a battle. You see, God's ways are unconventional. You see, this is my battle, he's saying to them. I want you to come with me, and and, and you're going to march for battle. You won't have to fight it. Take up your positions. So wait a minute. God, we're going to go to battle. We're going to take positions for battle, but we're not going to fight for battle. Okay, that's where we're at. You will not have to fight this battle. Take your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. That sounds like a pretty cool promise. 
And so as unconventional as it may seem, these people who have fasted, they, they, they all set out to their positions for, for battle. That's where it continues. Early the next morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa, and they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah, and all the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God. See, God is sovereign. Remember I said the battle position must be our trust and confidence in God. Listen to me, Judah, and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men. We're going to battle. So we get in position. I've never been in battle, but I'm not sure the first thing we do when we get in position is begin to sing. See, God's ways are pretty unconventional. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out to the head of and uh, they went out at the head of the army saying, "Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever." When you talk about a battle cry, you imagine that one in the locker room, we're going out halftime, we're going to go win this second half. We're not saying go Rams. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, this is compelling because God's ways are different than our own. They began to sing and praise. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. You see, this is how we fight our battles. See, God, God said this was his battle. The Ammonites and the Moabites, they rose up against the men uh, from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they had finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. This is how we fight our battles. When the men of Judah, now listen to this, the, these guys are still in position the whole time. They hadn't made it to the battlefield yet. They get to the battlefield, and what do they see? Nothing but victory! Can you imagine you've positioned yourself for a battle? You get all, all ready to go. You get there. Now, God has told you you're not going to fight, but you're not sure how that's going to happen. You show up, and when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked out toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground because no one had escaped. And God's ways are not my ways. Men, I want to learn to trust him more. Because what do they get to do for the next four days? They found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, much more than they could take away. There was so much plunder, it took three days to collect it. I'm sorry, three days. You see, the battle belongs to God. And when we're walking in step and not ahead... Because see what I'm talking about, Pastor Steve, sometimes? I want to be the one that runs to the battlefield and stands up in the middle of the mess and announces my God. But God said, trust me. I'm in control. Biblical battles, another battle that, that I think most of us know pretty well, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Oh, I forgot this one doesn't work very well for you to see it. It's Joshua chapter 6 if you want to see it. The Lord says to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and fighting men. 
March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear the, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, the army will go up, and everyone will go straight in. Now, again, I want to say God's ways are unconventional. What kind of battle strategy is this? For six days, we're going to announce our presence. For six days, I want the, the men to go, and they're just going to walk around the city. One time. On the seventh day, we're not just going to do it one time, we're going to do it seven times. But guess who we're going to put in the front? If you're going to battle, you don't want Pastor Steve in front. I mean, they put the priests in the front, and what do they have? They have trumpets. And so they walk around the city, and the the priests are in the front, and they're blowing trumpets. Sometimes in the midst of the battle, it doesn't make sense. But we've just got to trust the one who told us to go. Sometimes the tools he gives us in the midst of the battle don't make any sense. But we just have to be obedient to the one, because see, God is sovereign. And he sees that mountain moved, and he sees that battle won. And so they go and they do this, they're obedient. Finally, they give a long blast. Oh, sorry, that's the the conclusion. The trumpet sound, the army shouts, and the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in and took the city. Biblical battles are just different. There's the battle that Gideon had in Joshua, or Judges chapter 7. Gideon, he, he, he sees the Midianites, they've come and they've attacked and they've overtaken Israel. And he's looking at all the destruction and all the problems. Every time they go crops, the Midianites and the Ammonites, they come in and steal their crops. I mean, they're just tormenting the people of God. And Gideon's like, yeah, this isn't okay. How about I get an army together and we go to defeat the Midianites? I mean, in a great position, God. Okay, God says, yeah. But this is my battle, it's not yours. And Gideon, if you remember the story, in Gideon chapter, uh, Gideon chapter, that would be a, a new book that I just made up. You give me a battery for this. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left. Well, 10,000 remain. Gideon starts, his army is 32,000 men. He feels pretty good about himself. He's got 32,000 men. He's going to go attack the Gideonites. And God says, hey, yeah, but you might say this was your way, not my way. So let's do this my way, not your way. But God, my way makes a lot more sense. It'll be a lot more fun. God says, no, you just ask those men who are there. Ask them all who have assembled. Who's afraid? Gideon probably thinks he's got some strong men with him. I'm, surp- I'm guessing Gideon's a little bit surprised at the response to the question. When two-thirds of the people that are there in his army say that they're afraid, and God says, okay, let them go. All right, whatever, I got 10,000 men, we're still going to do this. And God says, no, 10,000 is too many. The Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men, take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. I don't need to thin God. We're going to battle. More is better. You see, this is my battle, not yours, he says. 
If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. God is sovereign. So Gideon took the men down to the water. The Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs, and the rest got down on their knees to drink. So it says that at this point, uh, 300 men. That's where we're at. 300 men is all that's left. Gideon's got to go to battle the Midianites who have been torturing and tormenting his people with 300 men. So listen to God's plan. I said, God has a way. Gideon heard about the dream, its interpretation. They had a dream in the camp that God was with. The Midianites had a dream that God was with Gideon. He heard about that. He got pretty, pretty excited. Um, he heard the dream, its interpretation, bowed down and worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Now, dividing the 300 men into three companies. Now, again, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a, an art of war guy. But if I've only got 300, we're sticking together. So let's take our small number and let's spread out. So we take 300 and we divide them into three, three groups. And we're going to arm them. What are we going to arm them with? We're going to battle. God's ways are not my own. So I'm getting ready to get my sword and my shield. Like if I'm in this army, like it's going to be sweet. Everybody else left. We got the pick of the litter. Jim left his sword here. I liked his. He's never getting it back. You know what I mean? Like. What's he arm him with? He placed trumpets, empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. I can imagine him singing that song. This is how I fight my battles. <laughs> like seriously. Where does this make sense? But the battle belongs to the Lord. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all around who are with me blow our trumpets from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the 300 men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and they broke the jars that were in their hands. They used what God equipped them with. The three companies blew the trumpets. They smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding their right hands holding in their right hands the trumpet they were to blow, they shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. I'm telling you what, if the battle doesn't belong to God, a torch, a pot, and a trumpet. 300 rather than 32,000 to cause chaos and fear. God spoke to them, gave them a dream. Once they heard the, 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 the Gideon and his army shout, they were fearful of the God of, of Abraham, the God that, uh, of the Israelites coming, and they turned on each other and they fled. You see, the battle belongs 
to the Lord. We sang another song with that. Uh, we kind of mashed two of them together. Battle belongs in the song that was surrounded. Even though it looks like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. That obviously draws us to the story of Elisha. Elisha was a prophet. And what happened was uh, the king of Aram, I think it was, uh, wanted to destroy him. Or he wanted to destroy Israel. <laughs> but the prophet kept getting words from the Lord and warning them before they could attack is really the story of Elisha. And so this king is so upset that he's trying to attack uh, Israel, but he decides to put all his efforts in, in, in capturing Elisha. Elisha's got one guy with him, one helper, and they're in this town, and they hear that they're surrounded by armies. Listen to the servant's position. Second Kings 6, when the servant, the man of God, got up, went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked, that's me. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see the Lord open the servant's eyes. He looked around and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I want to say sometimes we see what we see. Sometimes all we can see are the enemies. Sometimes all we can see are all the reasons that we're about to lose this battle. And we need someone to pray, Lord, open my eyes so I can see what you're doing. Really, the prophet was just saying, God, let my servant see what you've already done. They were already there, the angels, the chariots, the whatever else. They were already there. He just couldn't see them. The prophet said, just let him catch a glimpse of what you're doing in the midst of this moment. And then, this is the crazy part of Elijah's story. God does things his way. Who were they looking for? The army. They're looking for Elisha. So the prophet's eyes are open. Elijah prays also uh, to strike the army with blindness, and, and God struck him with blindness. Then what's it say in verse 19? Elijah told them, can you think of the confidence of Elisha right now? There's an army that's been sent to capture him. He's prayed for God to blind their eyes. See, when we trust that God is sovereign, we'll do some absolutely insane things. They weren't after his servant. They were after Elisha. One person talks to them. Who is them? It's the blind army that's looking to capture him. What did they see? <laughs> This says, Elijah goes and talks to them. Well, this is not the road and this is not the city. So do what? Follow me. I'm telling you, God is, is crazy in sometimes his battle strategies and what he asks us to do. Not only do you got to go talk to this army, not only do you got to stand face to face to them, but you've like got to hold their hand and say, hey, let's take a rope and you guys follow me. I'm going to lead you somewhere. God? I'm the dude. But God is sovereign, and I must trust him. And so he leads them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open their eyes. And they looked, and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them? 
I mean, what should we do now? Military tactics say what? Kill them and take their plunder. They set out against us. They position themselves against us. They keep bugging us. They keep trying to kill us. They keep trying to attack us. The king finally has the army before him. He says, shall I kill them or what? So guess what they do? This battle belongs to God. I'm telling you, this story is goofy. The prophet says, don't kill them. Would you kill those you've captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so they may eat and drink and go back to their master. God's ways are not my ways. Jehoshaphat called a fast. Elijah saying, make him fat. So what does the king do? He prepares what? A great feast for them. This is how I fight my battles. Rather than destroying them, we're feeding them. Rather than killing them, we're showing them grace. He prepared a great feast for them. When they finished eating, drinking, he sent them away. They returned to their master. So guess what happened? The conflict was over. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. See, this battle was won. It didn't end with a bunch of dead people on a field, but this battle was absolutely won. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm not going to go there today, but I'm going to point you there. First Samuel chapter 4 is a story about sometimes we do it our way. Sometimes we engage in a battle, and it may be God's battle, but we do it our way. The Philistines are attacking the Israelites in this chapter, and they're getting their tails whooped. The Israelites are. So they decide that, guess what they're going to do? Well, we've seen this work before. Now, they don't pray about it. They don't consult the Lord. They don't fast. They don't seek God, but they just say, hey, let's just bring the Ark of the Covenant with us. So they call for the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant comes with the Israelite army, and they're feeling this false sense of security. They haven't sought the Lord at all. And guess what happens? The Philistines defeat them, and they take the Ark of the Covenant from them. Because they did the battle their way, not his way. You guys can come forward. This morning, I want to talk about the reality of battles. Second Corinthians chapter 10. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. I'm going to tell you this. There's people who in the midst of your battle are going to tell you what to do. There's voices in the midst of your situation that are going to tell you how to fight this. There's, there's those that are around you that are going to tell you the best way to deal with this situation, the best way out of this battle. They're going to give you all the answers. They're going to give you all the ways. They're going to give you all the strategies. But the way we fight, child of God, the way we fight is we acknowledge that my God is sovereign. And the way we fight looks ridiculous to this world. God might call you to grab an empty clay pot and a torch and a trumpet. 
when you show up at work tomorrow with an empty clay pot, a torch, and a trumpet. On the contrary, they have divine power, the weapons we have. The ones he's given us, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Looks like this in Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authority, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the best plate of right, the breastplate of righteousness and in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. This battle belongs to the Lord. Do you trust him? Are you able to say that you are my God? Do you trust that he is the Lord? It's a big word. Joel loves that word. Lord of all creation. And we don't even recognize lords. What are lords? Just another name for Jesus, just like, you know, Jesus Christ, Jesus Lord, whatever. It all means the same thing. The Lordship of Christ says that he's in control and I am not. When I profess that Jesus Christ is Lord, I'm saying that he is in charge and his ways are my ways. That's truly what the prayer of salvation is about. It's no longer about me. It's no longer about what I want to do or how I want to do it. Not that God won't give me the desires of my heart, but he is Lord. Zechariah chapter 4. He said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you'll become level ground. He will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. There's a battle we're in. But God knows the end. There's a mountain you're facing, but God sees it leveled. This morning, I want us to take a moment as we sing this chorus. This morning, I want us to take a time as we sing this chorus to to rage a, a battle. And God might say, grab a trumpet. God might say, pick up a, a clay pot. 
he might say, it's time to reduce the army so you trust in me. We need to say, yes, Lord. We need to say, God, whatever it takes. Because this isn't my battle, this is yours. It's a battle that he declared it is finished. It's accomplished through Jesus Christ. The outcome is accomplished. It's eternal. Father, this morning in this place, you know our hearts. You know our lives. You know our weeks. You know our futures. You know the battles that we're in. You know the battles that we've won. You know the battles that we've lost. And you know the battles that are coming. God, I pray that this morning we would trust you. God, and if we've been swinging like crazy, but not knowing what we're swinging at, if we've been stirring up a nest that doesn't need to be stirred, if you're just calling us just to sit in a position and say, God is faithful, God is good. Let us hear your voice. And let us follow your lead. Doing it not my way, but yours. Because it's not mine, but yours. In Jesus' name.
that they're in. I want to tell you the battle ends with surrender. You can surrender to your God or you can surrender to your enemy, but it ends in surrender. I'd much rather surrender to the one who loves me. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace. And may you learn to surrender to him, not them. May you learn to fight the battle his way, not your way. Amen? God, we thank you for the food we're about to eat. We thank you for the promises we have in Jesus Christ, for the body of Christ that's around us. Continue to anoint us in your love. In Jesus' name.